All right, welcome back, everybody. Thirsty Thursday, number 12. Uh, this week, we're talking with Deputy Chief Jimmy Gladwell from the Salisbury Fire Department uh, down, and you get to pick, uh, you know, we're going to put the two shorter of our of our members here tonight down, down on bottom. Um, thanks, guys. We appreciate all the uh, strong, upstanding work that you're doing. Um, so tonight, uh, talking about the promotional process and navigating through that process and, uh, and how that works and how some of the things that we've come across um, and some of the things that we found successful and, um, and the processes that we've been through. Um, so as we get started, uh, just as a, as a reminder, if you could, um, boy, I'm really all over the place here right now. Um, in, in the comments below, uh, if you guys would put where you're from, um, you know, if we get something that pops up, maybe we'll um, shoot you guys some comments. We're going to try and, and be a little bit more interactive with those moving forward. Um, so please share with us where you're from. Uh, if you guys have gone through promotional processes, stuff like that. Um, and then, um, holy cow. Wow. Um, first off, cheers. Sorry. Cheers, everybody. That's, that's what I'm missing. So there we go. So my name is Ben Waples, a uh, volunteer member of Salisbury, Maryland, Salisbury Fire Department. Um, been working with Trevor and Bobby um, uh, through the Ocean City Fire Department uh, and then have had the opportunity to work with them on, on these projects for the webcasts. And then as a member of the Salisbury Fire Department working for, for Jimmy when he was an assistant chief uh, and now that he's the deputy. So. Uh, have had a lot of opportunity to work with these guys and really looking forward to our conversation tonight. So um, with that, I think we'll kick it on over to uh, Trevor and go from there. Great. Thanks, Ben. Um, I'm Trevor Steedman. Uh, we've all been through all the backgrounds before. We were going to actually mess with some of the first time viewers tonight and put Jim Gladwell as our uh, screen names up here, or at least our stage names. I'll put it that way. But uh, really happy to have uh, Chief Gladwell on this evening. I've known Jimmy uh, as I have the world respect for him in the fire service, not only as a firefighter and EMS provider, but as a company level officer, a chief officer, and uh, as a friend and brother as well. So I'm um, looking forward to everything that uh, we have to talk about tonight, the good, the bad, and the ugly of the promotional processes, and maybe even just uh, throw some sage advice out there for people who are considering promoting or are in the process of promoting, maybe give you a few nuggets that might uh, push you up over the edge or people have already been in the promotional process. And even better yet, if you're running a promotional process and you have to pick somebody and promote someone, um, maybe give you a few insights that uh, might help out. So with that, glad to have everybody here this evening. Glad to see some um, some old uh, friendly faces. See some Mike Ryan and Nick Nosvich on there tonight and some other folks popping in. So welcome. And uh, with that, I'll kick it over to you, Bobby. All right, thanks. Um, welcome, Jimmy. Uh, good to have you here, Chief. Um, you Thanks, know, uh, out of my 32 years, uh, I've been on the volunteer side and also on the career side. I've been officers on both. Um, I had the opportunity, the privilege to be the fire chief here in uh, my hometown of Millville for a year uh, and had every position in between them, taught state fire captain. So um, I've had every position, and I think my message tonight will be that, um, you know, promote to where you're comfortable. Uh, the first thing to do is to get well at your craft where you are before you promote. So, so, so get those basic tenants down as a firefighter. 
uh, when you got those basic tenants down as a firefighter, it's time to be a crew leader and it's time to think about promoting and then put your effort and your energy into promoting. One of the things when I was younger, I never figured out about promotional processes was that, um, you know, a lot of times a, a defense mechanism that we all give ourselves is we don't really give 100%. That way, if it doesn't work out subconsciously, we're like, well, we didn't give 100%. Uh, we're here to tell you tonight that once you make the decision to go into that promotional process, it requires you to give 100%. That's what you owe yourself. If you give 100%, you get chose, it's okay. Not a big deal. So um, that's one of the things I learned later on in life that I didn't really have figured out early on. Um, and so with that, I'm going to turn it over to Jimmy and let's, uh, let's get this thing started, buddy. Thanks, Bobby. How are you guys doing tonight? Everybody well and happy and healthy. Family's all doing well. I want to wish uh, my heartfelt congratulations to Ben for getting ready to join the Daddy Daughter Club. There's <laughs> there's few clubs better than that one. There's few clubs better than that one. I know Trevor. He only he's got a boy. He doesn't have that um, uh, challenge of, <laughs> of trying to raise girls. <laughs> so. Uh, my name is Jimmy Gladwell. For those of you who do uh, who don't know me, uh, I've been in the fire service for about 29 years. Seven years as a volunteer with the Parsonsburg Volunteer Fire Company, where I started as a volunteer. Um, worked my way up through the ranks there as a lieutenant, a cap, or well, like a crew leader, like Bobby talked about, and then a lieutenant, a captain, and assistant chief. Um, joined the ranks of the Salisbury Fire Department. Was blessed to be hired uh, on the career side with Salisbury back in uh, 1998. And um, uh, spent five years, five and a half years as a firefighter CRT, uh, was promoted to lieutenant as a training officer and spent uh, about six or eight months as the training officer, then moved up to captain. It was a ladder captain at, uh, on truck two for about three or three and a half years. And then uh, promoted to assistant chief where I was assistant chief for about 12 years. And now I've been the deputy chief of administration for the Salisbury Fire Department for the last uh, just about two years. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for joining us, guys. Um, so, again, we, we've already got a number of people tuning in. Um, like Trevor had mentioned, um, Nick Nospich, uh, one of our former part-timers uh, in Ocean City, currently full-time in Montgomery County. Uh, it's, it's that time of the year for those guys. Uh, so uh, hopefully we can uh, provide a little advice and guidance um, and give them a little insight from, from what we've been through. Um, again, with the, taking myself out of it, the, the experience and the, um, the insight that we're going to have from, from our other three guests here tonight is going to be phenomenal. So um, sit back, relax, enjoy. Um, one of the one of the first things I think we, we want to talk about, and Bobby made mention of it, is uh, making that decision to 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 go and enter the promotional process. Um, so I, I know for me, uh, there was a point where you know I'd become I'd gotten the classes with with one exception uh, on purpose uh, that I needed for lieutenant. Uh, I'd been a driver, um, you know, enjoyed that. It's probably one of my favorite seats on the fire engine still to this day. Um, but had, had, an, had the fire chief come and sit down with me and say, Ben, Hey, look, um, uh, we see, we see what, what you're doing. We, we think you're doing a great job and, you know, we want to kind of encourage you to, to move forward with, with the promotional process. And I knew for me that I wasn't ready for that. 
Um, you know, I didn't have the time in the department that I wanted. I didn't have um, the reputation that I wanted at that point. Um, not that my reputation's you know gold now, but um, that's, that's always up for debate. Um, but I, I know that I wasn't ready. Um, and like what, what Bobby said is, you know, we always have, excuse me, or when you make that decision to do that, you have to, it has to be a hundred percent all in, um, you know, like that, that just has to be what it is. You know, it's your, um, like that's the next step. And if you're going to do it, you got to do it like you're forcing a door and you're, you're running the line into a house and there's someone in the back bedroom, you know, it's the same thing. You have to have that intensity. You have to have that aggressiveness to, to get it done and to move forward with that. So um, let's talk about that for, for a little bit of, and your guys thoughts on, you know, making that decision and, and how you come to that decision to, to enter the promotional process. So Trevor. Well, yeah, Ben, um, I know when we had our test run the other night, of course we had hour and a half hour, 45 minutes worth of conversation. We could have gone on for more hours, but uh, something Jimmy said, I think was really important for a lot of people to hear. And it's about not only deciding, because eventually you're going to get to that point in your career that you're going to consider promoting. You're going to look at a promotional track, hopefully, if your department has laid one out for you. And it is frustrating for a lot of firefighters when the goalpost continues to move. That's reality, though, because when maybe when I first started in the fire service, hazmat was a big deal or an EMS becomes a big deal, then uh, domestic terrorism becomes a big deal. So your, your credentials and what you have behind you that goalpost is going to move from time to time and you have to adjust with it. Um, but with, with that, uh, Jimmy, you had talked about the other day when you should really truly start to consider promoting and when, when the promotional process really truly does start for that individual and uh, just to kind of lead it off. You had said it's, it's not when that uh, the job announcement or that promotional uh, announcement goes up for testing. So Jimmy, if you don't mind, uh, could you share with the group here, what you were talking with us about the other night? Sure. Thanks, Trevor. Um, you know, to me, the promotional process starts really um, at your your oral interview for your during your application process. Um, when you sit down with whatever the group is that is interviewing you to bring you into the organization, um, you know, you're going to make an impression. And that is your that is one of your first impressions. And, you know, the old adage is that you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. And I, I believe that, um, you know, you start that process. And then if you're blessed enough to go through there and get hired or even get brought into as a, you know, as a volunteer within a, a, a fire department, you know, your, your promotional process to me starts on the first day on the job. And when you walk in there, you know, we've all said it, we've all heard it. It's all been said to us, you know, sit down, shut up, watch what's going on. Um, you know, listen to the people around you, um, you know, watch the senior men or the senior women, whichever it might be, um, you know, network with good people. You know, you want to ally yourself with the good ones. You know, you, and it doesn't take, we all know who we're, you know, who I'm talking about. You'll, you see the guys who are out here, the quiet guys that get the job done. You know, they don't beat on their chest. They don't, uh, you know, Hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. They go out and they just do. And those are the guys that you want to pay close attention to, in, in my opinion. And you pay close attention to the other ones, too, because I can tell you that one of the best experiences of my career was working for a an assistant chief that I couldn't stand. I just just did not like him. And 
from that experience, I learned exactly what not to do when my opportunity came to sit in the same position, um, you know, about how to treat people, how to talk to people, how to manage your, your personal life. Some, um, you know, bring things to work that are positive. Don't bring things to work that are negative. So, you know, I, I think that you start that first day and, you know, you start learning all about the organization and, and you start learning just, you want to be a sponge, grab in, grab onto anyone who's willing to teach you. Um, you know, one thing that I have noticed in my career is that that has changed a lot as well. The, when I came up or when I came in, you know, everybody, you don't shut up. I'm not here to help you. I'm just here to collect my paycheck. I'm here to do my job, blah, blah, blah. And I've watched over the years how that's changed and more and more people are really, truly serving as mentors to help better the organization. Because, you know, before, if you knew something and I didn't know it, you had power, right? And really, what power did you really have? You really didn't. You knew a little bit that somebody else didn't know. So you make yourself feel good, you know, empowering people makes people better. It makes your shift better. It makes the department better. And so when you come in and you do sit down and shut up and you watch and you learn and you listen and you participate and, you know, do everything that's asked of you and then some, and then when you get to a certain point, you start reaching out to your supervisor or whatever, and you start asking for more, Hey, feed me, give me, give me an assignment, give me something to do. I want to, I want to show you that I'm capable. Uh, you know, I came into Salisbury with seven years under my belt. And like Ben, you know, I had gobbled up as many classes as I could take and was just, you know, sometimes in two and three classes at the same time. And I walked in the door with the credentials to be a captain in the organization based on, you know, what Salisbury's criteria was for various officers. Now, I knew obviously that I wasn't deserving of that at all. I didn't have that thought process at all in my head, but I had those credentials. I had those classes. I had everything I needed. And so I, you know, minus the time and grade, obviously. So, you know, but those guys, they're not, they don't know anything about me. They didn't, they knew very little about me. I was an outsider. Uh, you know, I was from Parsonsburg. I wasn't a Salisbury guy. I didn't grow up in, I mean, I grew up in Salisbury, but I didn't grow up in the Salisbury fire department. So they didn't really know who I was. I had to come in there and prove myself. So part of that was, um, you know, just kind of shut up a little bit and just do. And the more you do, the more you get to do, if you do it well, the more you do, if you don't do it well, the less you get to do. And people start looking at other people to do things. So, you know, start on that first day, stop, look, listen, pay attention to what's going on around you and, you know, try to make a good impression. Chief John Tall talks about how every day is, uh, is an interview, right? You come to work, uh, as a firefighter or as an EMT or as a paramedic or as like Ben said, a driver or, you know, whatever you are, if you're a rescue guy, truck guy, hazmat guy, whatever you might be, whatever you are that day, be the best at it that you can be. So if you're driving the rig that day, be the best MPO, the best FATO. If you're riding in the right front seat, be whatever you are, the best lieutenant, best sergeant, best captain, whatever that might be. If you're riding on the EMS unit, be the best driver, EMT, paramedic, whatever you may be, be the best day. Every day is an interview. And all those days combined will help set you up for that date that, uh, like you guys talked about, like Bobby talked about, when that date comes or that promotional announcement comes, you're 
you're sitting in a good spot before you ever sit down and put the pencil in your hand to take the written exam. Yeah, Jimmy, absolutely. And I think you hit on a couple of really important points, too, is that we talk about credentialing versus credibility. Right. And we, we try to get all those classes. And you know, you, it used to be some of the promotional processes were very, let's just say, subjective. Um, and as time evolved, as industry standards evolved, we started to put criteria in there. And a lot of our senior folks started to feel really left behind because right. they had a lot of experience to go on but they didn't have a lot of the pedigree that was being required. And I know like in our department and Bobby was a big part of this as well. We tried to bridge a lot of that um, because we, we never want any of the more senior people with the experience to feel that their time and grade, their experience and the, and the blood, sweat and tears they put into the department doesn't count, but it has to evolve. And that's kind of a bitter pill to swallow sometimes. So having not only the credentialing, which is wonderful because then you have the opposite side of that. And I see it a lot in today's fire service where a lot of the younger members are coming in very, very highly credentialed because they have the higher education right off the bat. They have the degrees, they have a lot of the credentialing, but they don't have the sweat equity that's been put into it to earn their bones, to be able to understand the system, the department, uh, why you do what you do, you know, why you do the how behind everything. So uh, if, Bobby, if you wouldn't mind talking about that just for a second, because I know from a training aspect, um, you know, Bobby's one of those people that does put that sweat equity in and you know, he doesn't worry as, and I mean this in a positive way, Bobby, so I'll, I'll preface it when I say that, but he worries less about who he's going to offend or tick off and more about who might inspire. So, um, you know, Bobby, to that end, would you talk about the, the, the training aspect, training education and the combination thereof? Yeah. Um, so when you're looking at promotion, you know, I, I always, I always, uh, when I talk about officers, I talk about the inverted triangle. Um, the EMS guys know that they talk about that for pediatrics, but I actually, you know, uh, who is the most important person on a fire ground at any particular time? And that is absolutely by far the guy on the nozzle or the, or the girl that's pulling the victim out. Um, the person is actually taking the, the hearse tool or the homotra tool and, and, and taking a door or whatever. Uh, they are the absolute most important person in the fire department. You know, next important important person in the fire department is your, your crew leader, you know, because you're still involved in it. You have to know when to step in and actually do the skill versus work your people through the skill or whatever. Um, and it and it goes up from there. And then as you as you move up beyond that, then you become more and more administrative and much less of a uh, person that's actually out on the street, actually holding the the nozzle or holding the, the tools anymore. And um, that's all these positions are so important in the fire department. The, the fire chief is tremendously important. And when I say an inverted triangle, I say because those are the people that are actually delivering the service to the citizen. Um, but every single person in the fire department from the chief down is equally important. Um, I look at a fire department, like nobody's more or less important. So when you're looking at promotions, there's two things I think you got to think about when you talk about training. I've been doing this for 32 years and there's a whole lot of stuff I don't know. And I am positive that I will retire from this gig and not know a whole lot of stuff. Um, you know, that's part of the thing is when you're looking at promotion, uh, don't get hung up in the details of things that you don't know. Just learn them as you go. Um, as you move up into a crew leader, there's going to be things that guys underneath you are going to be able to do that you can't do, or they know something that you don't know. And you know what? That's okay. 
you know, you learn from it and you move on. You know, you have to be able to, to, to swallow the pill a little bit that just because you promote doesn't mean you know more than everybody that's below you anymore. Um, I think that's part of the key to the training. The second thing is you need to always be a student of the game. So just become, because you become the crew leader and you're not holding the nozzle anymore, it doesn't mean you don't train on the nozzle anymore. It doesn't mean that you don't keep honing your skills at that particular level anymore because you know what? It keeps you relevant with the people below you. If you move up to a captain and you move up to an assistant chief and you never, ever interact with your people anymore, and you never, ever go out and train with them anymore, you, you become distant from them. It's just kind of how the fire departments work. And you have lots of things to do, so you can't spend as much time doing those kinds of things. But I think the two big take-home points I can give you from the training perspective is you're never going to know it all, um, and you have to catch up as an officer. One of the jobs of being a, a, an officer is catching up on the stuff you didn't learn that you should have learned before you became that level of officer. Uh, and the second point is you've never been a lieutenant. So you've never been a captain or you've never been a, an assistant chief or whatever that level is that you're going to. So when you start out, you've never been one. So don't pretend that you already were one for a long time. You know, walk in there humble, you know, do what you have to do, learn what you have to learn and lean on what you knew from the pit before. I think those are my two biggest take home points about when you're looking at promotional is you're never going to know it all. You got to continue to be a student of this game for the whole time you're here. And the last thing is when you move up, it's okay not to know specifically what you're going into because you've never done it before. And you're going to have a learning curve and you're going to have some difficult times and you're going to make mistakes and all of those things are okay. Uh, so once you're ready to go and promote, just, just know from us that it doesn't mean that once they give you that magical helmet with that magical shield, that it's like Superman and all of a sudden you've got all the answers and you can solve everything. So, uh-oh, we lost Jimmy, the most important guy here. There he goes. He's back. It's that, He's it's back. I'm back. Comcast at its best. Well, you guys only got like indoor plumbing like probably 10 years ago, right? Right. The internet something. This isn't Suffolk County, Bobby. I was going to say that was five years quicker than Delaware. So Trevor, yeah, well, that's true. So, Trevor, that was, that's my thoughts on it. Is that, is that kind of what you're looking for? Yeah, that, it, that's exactly what I'm looking for, Bobby. And um, it, it, and this dovetails into something else as well that uh, Jimmy mentioned the other day when we were doing the test run for this. And, Jimmy, I, I'm going to ask you to address this next thing that I'm going to throw at you as candidate Gladwell and also evaluator Gladwell, so on both sides of the uh, of the promotional table. And you'd already mentioned there's, there's some things, and Bobby mentioned this too, You'll never know all the inner workings of the department and what they have in mind when they're going through the promotional process. And yes, they can put the list of criteria, the credentialing, um, time and grade, all the criteria. But I'll, I'll give you a classic example. If you're in a large, a mid-sized to a large-sized department, and they're trying to do some succession planning, they be in the administration, mm -hmm. they might look and say, "Wow, I'm going to lose 20, 25, 30 percent of my paramedic firefighters or firefighter paramedics." in the next five years. So you might be probably the best candidate and someone who might not be quite as good as you, but has that paramedic card right. might jump in ahead of you just because that's the need of the department. They may or may not tell you that, but you can't get butt hurt. You can't go all, well, you know, all of a sudden catch the worst attitude in the world because they want to see sometimes just, just as well how you take success and, and not failure, but disappointment. Right. And if, if you become the biggest hater in the department, as soon as you don't get your way and take your ball and go home, 
they kind of go, wow, maybe I'm, it was a good thing we didn't promote that guy. Um, right. I had a I had a gentleman that used to work with me in uh, the department I'm in now. He he had applied. Uh, he was one of my volunteer members. Great guy. Um, had a very very had, he is having a very bright future. And he had applied to a department that was uh, hiring several people just to the south. He was a firefighter EMT currently in paramedic school. Guy was just most squared away individual. If I could have hired him on as one of my full-time people, if I had a vacancy, I would have put him right in. I just didn't have one at the time, and we didn't have as much to offer as this other department. Long story short, I knew from his, the, the chief of that department that they needed to hire firefighter paramedics. Uh, they had a, a big shortage right then. He wasn't a paramedic yet, so he didn't get hired the first go-round. He was kind of devastated, but he had a good attitude about it. And you know, he did the right thing. He you know, he shook their hand. He didn't kiss their ass, but he just said, "Hey, you know, look, I, I'm I wasn't picked this round, but this is where I want to work. So, what can I do to improve myself?" The answer was nothing. You you, you unless he could perfect time travel, there was nothing he could do to improve himself that we could give him or, or we could say. But six months later, when they reopened it up again, he was the first round draft pick because you know. He, he was right there in line. So again, you'll never know the administrative stuff, what HR is looking for, if there's certain, you know, quotas, uh, any kind of quotas are trying to uh, meet as far as, you know, people in certain age ranges or demographics. You just don't know. And so if, if you don't make it that first time, you know, don't get discouraged. So, uh, Jimmy, if, if you would talk about a couple of things. You had mentioned about researching the department um, and, and looking at understanding the exact job that needs to be done, not the image of the job that you have. But can you talk about that from when you were a candidate to, let's say, step up to a lieutenant's position you know, and now as an evaluator, what are some things that you look for that resonate with you um, on both ends of the spectrum? Well, you know, candidate wise, you certainly want to prepare yourself. You know, you, you come to work and like I said, come to work and do the job every day. And that in and of itself, I think personally, I think that's half the battle. Um, you know, one thing about promotional uh, opportunities and processes is that, you know, we don't open up a promotional opportunity today and say the, the, the interviews and the testing is tomorrow. You know, generally speaking, you've got time uh, between the time of the announcement and the actual beginning of the written exam process, you know, with the process where the written exam. So, you know, you have a lot of time to most of the time, you have a lot of time to sit down, study your SOPs, learn, you know, whatever it is that you think is going to come at you. I mean, you know, most of us, most people know somebody that went through a promotional process and you can sit down with that individual and chit chat with them. And it's not like, you know, I'm not going, Hey, what was on the test? It's not that at all. It's like, you know, where, uh, you know, you have to have some kind of understanding that, um, you know, people are the things you deal with every day. Are you going to uh, have you know, you're going to get asked questions about human resources. Uh, you know, you're going to get asked some kind of a tactical question. You're probably going to get something really off the wall thrown at you because the evaluators want to see how you manage yourself under pressure. Um, there's lots of things that you ought to know and you should already know your SOPs. So when you sit down and take your you know, your written exam, there shouldn't be really anything on there that surprises you. Um, you should be prepared for that. Um, then you get to, you know, if you're successful in the written exam, you know, you're going to go on to the oral examination board and you really shouldn't be surprised for that either. When you walk into the board, you know, be prepared, walk in there, look sharp, come in there with your class A on, 
and look the part, you know, walk in there like you own the joint and you want this position. Show me when I'm an evaluator, I talk at, you know, out both sides of my mouth at the same time as an evaluator. I want to watch a guy walk in the door with his chest out, his chin up. And, you know, I want him to bring me a resume. I want him to shake my hand. I, you know, I want him to, to wait to sit down when, until he's either asked permission to, or he's told to sit down. You know, I want, I want a guy or gal that's coming in there and it's like you talk about the term you use all the time is squared away. Um, and then, you know, uh, be prepared. If you want to be a, a fireline officer or if you're promoting from fireline, from junior officer up to chief officer or something like that, there shouldn't be anything that the evaluation board throws at you that, that should surprise you. You ought to be, I don't know, you should have, you should have your act together. You got to be able to think fast on your feet. Um, that's what we do. I mean, even as a firefighter, that's what we do. So, you know, coming into the promotional side of it, that really shouldn't catch you off guard. Now, maybe it's a question that, okay, that that's, that one's got a lot to it, but you know, you got pencil and paper in front of you, use it. We tell you, Hey, you got five minutes to answer this question or 15 minutes or whatever it is. Use the time wisely, you know, jot down things as we go. And I'll tell you something else. It was a candidate as a candidate. Uh, if you have a question, ask it. Don't sit there and give us a ridiculous answer because you misunderstood the question, you know, or give us an answer that I don't want you to give me the answer I want to hear. I want you to give me the answer that you think is the correct answer. And, um, you know, don't don't misunderstand or misinterpret the question. By all means, ask questions. Nobody is going to uh, look down on you or, or take points away from you because you took a second to take the initiative to find, to make sure that you understood the question completely so that you can answer it thoroughly. Um, as an evaluator, uh, you know, you sit and you watch people come in the door and some guys and gals, they really are ready. You can tell they have prepared. Um, they have got their poop together to get it on with you. They're, they're regular, um, regularly spending time. Hello, doggy. They're regularly spending time uh, with their nose in the SOP book or in some kind of fire, like the fire officer book or whatever it might be. Um, and, and they came in there ready to roll. Um, you know, we look at how people manage their stress. You know, when you get that 14 different uh, factor question thrown at you, how you manage the stress of that is as important as how you answer it. Because, you know, there are probably a myriad of, of answers to a, especially a tactical question. You know, we expect you to know that the first engine is going to do this and the first truck's going to do this and the second engine's going to do that. And the second truck's going to do this. And, you know, we're looking for, you know, when you miss the obvious stuff, like not laying in, um, you know, not throwing ladders, if you're a truck company guy or whatever it might be, you know, misunderstanding, um, or not throwing out a 360, whatever it might be. When you miss those things, those are easy points. Don't leave those points on the paper. Um, you know, get, let, we're, we have an expectation that you're going to grab all those easy points. There are hard points out there that, you know, you kind of get extra credit for, so to speak, when you answer them and answer them well. Um, but a lot of it is how you manage yourself, how you manage the stress. You know, there's a lot of different ways of, of thinking about and acting upon managing a tactical question or a human resources question. You know, we want to see how personable you're going to be. 
do you really understand the mission? You know, are, are, are you into the mission? And if we ask you what the mission is, we have a, an understanding or we have a hope, excuse me, that you have an understanding of what that mission is. So there are just, there's a whole myriad of things. And like you talk about, you sit there and, and we also understand too, that you have a good day and you have a bad day. And you may have had a whole lot of good days before you walked into that. And the day before was you're 24 and you got run ragged and you walk in the door and maybe you don't perform up to the, the level that we're used to seeing you perform. You know, we take that into consideration too. You know, there, there's, Hey, I know Ben and he just had a, he, you know, his 15 minutes in this interview was, wasn't his best. Now we want to see your best out of you, obviously, but we also have an understanding that every single one of us has a bad day. Everyone's human and we get it. We're human. We make mistakes. Um, we certainly want to see you perform at the highest level you have the capability of performing at. Uh, but there's the human factor is taken in as well. So there's just, it's a whole lot of things that go into the promotional process. And like you said, Trevor, you, some days you're looking for a specific type of person to fill a specific void. And you look at somebody that uh, maybe they didn't perform, you know, because most of these guys are, are like this, you know, when they get in there, there's, there's not usually this, they're usually all in this area. And when they're all in that area, it makes it really difficult sometimes to make a solid choice. So you sit and you think about, uh, you know, who might be the best fit for the position that you have available. Is it the training officer's position? Um, is it the EMS officer's position? Uh, you know, in that aspect, you're probably going to be looking for a paramedic as opposed to an EMT. Um, lots of things go into it. And, you know, you as the candidate may never have all the insight. You go in there and you think, man, I thought I nailed it. And you may have nailed it. But at that point in time in history, we needed somebody with just a different skill set. And, you know, when you walk away from the table, like you talked about, Trevor, if you have an attitude, we're going to we're going to remember that. Um, <laughs> that's not going to go well. It's not going to sit well at the next table. You know, when you when you sit down at the next promotional opportunity and that promotional board maybe has one person on it that was from the last promotional board. Or like I said, the fire chief says every day is an interview. We're watching you and you don't, you don't hold your attitude high where it was before. We understand you're disappointed. We get that. We allow for that, but continued negativity is going to bring down the people around you. And you weren't set up to be a good leader in the first place. If that's the way you're going to respond. Jimmy, I would agree with you on that. And I'm looking at a question that came from uh, one of our brothers and says, uh, best ways to consider upselling yourself when the panel knows you, your history, your track record, they found it hard to sell themselves when the panel knows the candidate, especially in a relatively small department. We've all been there. Um, and I, you know, Jimmy, from your uh, promotional processes, sometimes you know, we, we go in and hope it's going to be um, as objective as possible, but there is some subjectivity in there. One of the things, and Jimmy, I want you to, if you don't mind, share the story that uh, you know you had told us the other day from when you went into your first uh, candidate interview. But to me, this is what this is goes back to the, your very first point: is you have to you have to right. become that go-to person on your ship. And again, that's right. that's not you know that's not uh, buying stock and chapstick because you're going to be chapping your ass or chapping your right. lips on the wrong ass every day trying to figure out what's going on. But 
be that go-to person, regardless of your title. You're the one who trains. You're the one who studies. You're the one who gets up out of the recliner and, and tries to figure out how to be better at their job and make the department better that day. That's what's going to carry you. Because let's be honest about it. As, as an officer and as a supervisor, and this is one of the most difficult things when you're trying to do an evaluation on somebody, an actual uh, performance evaluation, you don't see them 24-7. Uh, and I'll give you an example. If, uh, you guys were talking about a motor vehicle collision from last night. Once those double doors close on the back of that ambulance, do you see what that paramedic does, how they, their level of patient care? Do you see how they interface with the patient or the family? Do you see how they interface with the hospital staff or the physician? You don't, you don't have the first idea unless they're riding with an FTO or another officer and you get secondary feedback really of how that person does. So you could have done a bang up job as that provider on the fire scene or on that medical scene. And if no one saw it, you're like, well, damn, I'm not going to go around toot my own horn, but at the same time, you know, how do I how do I get recognized for my worth and value to the department? Well, you've got to earn that every single day, right? Um, in my opinion, where you you go in and you become that go-to person on the fire scene, and you, you're not trying to overstep or circumvent your captains, your lieutenants, or anybody else, but you might have that particular skill set. Or Jimmy, you had mentioned it the other day about, you know, sometimes it's taking that little bit of a, you know, excuse the crude expression, but a little bit of a bite out of a shit sandwich and maybe doing maybe the not glorious job around the fire station or most glorious uh, responsibility, but you take it on, you do it, you do it well. And that builds your credibility that, that builds your stock and puts the chips. But uh, could you, could you talk about that a little bit and how you, how you see that and kind of well, answer the question that Freddie's asking at the bottom of the page a bit more clear than I did. Yeah. Hey, Freddie, I see you on there. Um, you know, it, it, the same chief that I spoke about earlier that I just, you know, didn't really care to work with. Um, we had a very good crew. We had an excellent shift. And, I, you know, he never appreciated that. And that was always frustrating. Um, we had a bunch of young guys that were all strong, all all good at something. Um, everybody kind of, oh, what's the right word? Um, pushed everybody. Um, it, it worked well. And, uh, the, you know, there was a lot of things that the chief, I don't know, he didn't like doing. And one of those things was like report writing. Well, report writing doesn't bother me. I don't have an issue with that. Um, I've never had an issue with doing it. And, you know, this guy would come back and I'd say, you know, hey, chief, can, you know, can I help you with you know, the report or whatever it is? You know, because, you know, maybe he had three or four and we were backed up on calls or something like that. Can I help you? Can I pick one up for you or whatever? And, you know, back in that day, we were handwriting reports, not just, you know, we weren't just putting them in the, in computers and things like that. So, um, there was a lot of checks to be checked, boxes to be filled, um, some, some paragraphs to be written and things like that. And, you know, the guys would sometimes ask me cause they knew I didn't particularly care for the guy and they knew I didn't kiss his ass cause he and I often had some exchanges. Um, but it was like, you know, why are you doing this for him? And I would tell him like, look, this guy's not going to be here forever. This isn't about him. This is about me. It was too, because I wanted to try to help the chief. I, you know, that's part of your job. You know, part of your job as a firefighter is make your officer look good. Um, and if you do that, that kind of gets back to what Freddie was asking. If you, if you, you know, you, you push, find out what the officer's agenda is, find out, you know, learn the things that set him off, learn the things that make him happy and try to manage that without, you know, everybody thinking that you're blowing him. Forgive me. Um, you go in there and do the job and do it well. 
And, and, you know, what happened is, like I said earlier, you know, reach out and say, look, I want to take on some more responsibility. And I think one of the things to help answer Freddie's question is that, you know, you have to tell people that you want to be promoted. You have to make it obvious. And that doesn't mean, again, that you go around and say, you know, look at me, look at me. I want to be promoted, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm trying to take your job, Trevor, or your job, Bobby, or whatever. That's not it at all. It's the simple fact that you have career aspirations. You have We all have goals. Um, and, you know, one of my goals was to be promoted. And understanding that learning how to do those reports helped me. It helped the chief. It helped him get his paperwork done. It took a little stress off him. Something else that that did, if that took stress off him, what do you suppose that did to the crew? You know, that helped take some stress off of them as well, because this guy is more relaxed. His, you know, he's a healthier, happier individual. Um, And, you know, you're, it's creating a a better working atmosphere, not just for him, but for the remainder of the guys on the, on the crew. And, you know, again, they would ask me, why are you doing this for him? Because, you know, we know you don't particularly care for him. And I'm like, this ain't about him. This is about trying to help out the shift as a whole, but then it's about me as well, because the, it, give, it gave me experience. It gave me opportunity. And, you know, somebody could sit back here watching this, this program and say, well, you know, he's a backstabbing SOB. And that isn't it at all. You know, th- at some point in time, this guy, I mean, this guy was, you know, 35 years on the job or whatever. At some point in time, these guys are going to retire. And if you get these opportunities, again, we weren't, this doesn't happen so much today because our officers today, at least in my department, are spending time mentoring people and trying to help them advance their career. You know, 25 years ago or 20 years ago, I guess it was, that wasn't the case. Officers, most of the officers weren't trying to help you advance anything. They were just trying to get from 7 a.m. to 7 a.m. And, you know, that makes for, you know, how, how do you, how do you sell yourself? How do you promote? You know, back in those days, you had to be in the fire department, in our fire department, you had to be in your 11th year before you were eligible to be promoted because of the standards that we had. You had to be a probationary member for a year. And then you tested for what we called firefighter one for, and you got that for three years. And then you tested for firefighter two and you were in that for three years. And then you tested for firefighter three. And you were in that for three years. So all of a sudden you're in your 11th year before you're eligible to be promoted to lieutenant. So if you were like me, I walked in on, on the career job, excuse me, at 31 years old. Add 11 years to that. You know what? You're, you're starting to get to a point where, I mean, hell, you ought to be getting yourself in a cheese buggy by that time. And not necessarily just making the right front seat of the fire engine, you know, because where are you going to go from there? Um so, you know, we talked about your, you talked about the story with my first promotional process. <laughs> the, um, you know, I walked in the door. I, I had, I got, I don't know, some high nineties on my written exam. I was, you know, lucky with that. And then got my date for my, uh, my interview. And I walked in, I had my, I had my medals on my chest. I had my class A on, you know, I was looking as sharp as I can look, which isn't very sharp, obviously, but doing the best I can on what, what there is to work with. And I walked in the door thinking, you know, I feel, I feel good about myself. First thing I walked into the door, I see a chief or an officer. I think he was a chief at the time that I thought for sure just did not like me. He just did not care for me. We didn't, we didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things. We had never really had words, um, but but um, 
we just didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things and we had never had a whole lot of interactions. And I just assumed that this guy just didn't, didn't care for me. The next person I see is Trevor Stedman. Cause as the door opened up, I got to see the full view of the individuals. When I saw Trevor, my whole demeanor changed. We're really glad you didn't say the full Monty. <laughs> I started to Ben. I thought better of it. <laughs> that was a different, that was a different it interview. Was. Um, and then I opened up the door and I saw another gentleman, uh, Bob Clum, who had been invited to be part of the interview process. And another guy who, uh, this guy's like a father to me. And I just had just this immense amount of respect. So, you know, the first thing I do when I walk in the door, I see this, this individual and I have this, oh my God, I'm, I'm screwed. I'm done. And then all of a sudden as the door continues to open, I see, you know, these rays of hope and my whole demeanor changed. My whole attitude changed. Um, and I mean, Trevor, you would have to be the person to, um, you know, verify that this is true or not. But, you know, I, I felt like you I killed good. that interview. I felt like I just, I, I felt like when I walked out the yeah, door, I think you did. Okay. <laughs> when I walked out the door, I just felt that I had it. I had given it everything I had and I left everything I had sitting in there on the field, so to speak. Um, and, but from that point on, it was out of my hands. So, you know, that, that's a whole nother conversation that we had a, a little bit the other day about too, is, um, you know, doing what you can do and, and all you can do um, and, and just having a positive attitude about it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the other things that we had talked about the other day, uh, you know, I, I have the fortune or misfortune, however you want to look at it. I have a very young workforce and we're a combination department. I have a lot of volunteers, but we have a rotating door of volunteers, mainly because there's so many job opportunities in this region. And I lose a lot of really good volunteer members, but I'm losing them to success. I'm losing them to careers in other departments where I don't have the ability to offer that to, um, you know, to them at that kind of rate. So the best thing I can do is like Jimmy's talking about is try to mentor them. I do a lot of mock interviews with them. And you know, when they come in to say, Hey chief, I'm, I'm applying to County fire rescue in this County or this um, municipality or what have you. It's like, wow, I'm sorry to lose you. Congratulations. When's your interview? And I'll start throwing the questions at them. And this might be helpful too. And I, I want to see from your guy's perspective, if you think this is, um, because this is just how I'm looking at it through my eyes as an evaluator. But I'll say, you know, where are you interviewing? And they'll say, you know, XYZ municipality. Who's on your interview board? I don't know. Well, such and such just left the department six months ago. And I think you had brought this up, uh, Jimmy or Ben. Call them and talk to them. They've been through it recently. But find out how many people are going to be in. You don't want to go in looking like a smacked ass and have you right. know, three, three resumes and you have five people on the board. Right. Find out a little bit about them. In this digital age, go on that department's website and start looking. Go on your own department's website and see you know, what what is your go to thing. Some people are huge, or some departments are big into community risk reduction. There's one department in North End of the County. Their um, pre COVID, their bicycle helmet giveaway was like their big thing every year, and that was they took a lot of pride in it. Um, other places they do Pulse Point Community CPR. They do all these different wonderful initiatives within their communities. You know, so what, what you're looking at is being that you, you might want to be the engine boss or the truck boss, and that's great. That's a wonderful thing. But the people evaluating you want to know if you understand the overall, the big picture mission of the department. Yeah, you're going to be that boss on that rig, and that's vitally important. Know your job, know your job well. But what is it? What's the overall thing 
that department's trying to push. The other thing is when they come in, what's what's their platform skills? I mean, we spend so much time doing this, right. talking to each other. You know, how long do you look them in the eye? How long do you shake their hand? And I'm not trying to you know, make it so regimented. You have to go in and be natural with these people. But there's some people, they won't even look the, uh, the, the interviewers in the eye long enough to figure out what eye color they have. <laughs> or they'll go in and they'll hand them the dead fish and or they'll they'll do the death squeeze on their hand. But figure that out ahead of time. And here's one of the pieces of advice I give them. I'll th I'll throw them to the wolves right away and I'll say, okay, um, you know, Bob Jones, tell me about yourself. Um, well, um, I I was born at three thirty in the afternoon and I was uh, six pounds three ounces and um, I like applesauce and stop, stop, please stop. You know, and, and this is the point where you know, it's perfectly okay and acceptable. And you value value your evaluator's time. Value, understand that they have to get through a lot of candidates. But what's going to set you apart at the end of the interview? And that's like, you know, Jimmy, I can tell you, remember all those years ago, you, know, you came in and as a lieutenant candidate, you had a command presence. And I'm going to get you to talk about command presence in just a minute. But you know, you you had you established a presence. You you presented yourself you know, very honorably to everybody there. You didn't come in as a kiss ass or I know I'm dating myself by saying this, Eddie Haskell. Y'all have to look that one up if you don't know who I'm talking about. Um, but <laughs> but you're, you're going in, you're presenting yourself. But also, you know, know your role, know your job, know the position, but research that department some and, and go through and, and have those platform skills that are in there. Be able to articulate, getting back to my point, is that if if they give you a broad brush like that, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where do you start? Don't be the deer in the headlights. It is perfectly acceptable to, and, and I'm not saying take control of the interview, but steer it. And you you have you do have some bit of control. Say, well, sir, ma'am, would you like to hear something uh, personal or professional? Well, if they say either, you can talk about whatever you want, but you've narrowed that field, and you're not just sitting there being a bumbling idiot and coming out of the interview going, oh my god, you know, I can't believe that under training I told them I had you know my first thing was potty at, at year year three. Um, you know, you want to make sure that you know, you narrow the field down a little bit. Or if they say, you know, well, tell me something professional. So, well, I started my fire service career as a volunteer in Salisbury, Maryland. Um, you know, I ascended to this position. I transferred across the floor when there was a job opportunity, and so forth and so on. So you can narrow it down and you look at those selling points. The other thing I tell people is, you know, and this might be a little bit old school, but even in the digital age, it's okay to send an email. After the interview, of course, you're going to thank people. You can certainly ask them, well, you know, it, would you have any reservation hiring me? Sometimes that rocks them back a little bit. Or would you have any reservation promoting me? Or is there anything that I didn't answer that you'd like to hear more about? Holy shit. You know, that's kind of a, it's a, it's a forward move. But it's not an arrogant move. Um, last but not least, send a thank you note, either a handwritten letter or an email within 24 hours. Believe it or not, that can set you apart sometimes. You might be neck and neck with somebody, and you know, the only difference is that you know they they uh, categorized you alphabetically because you came in on the same day. You know, you might have got hired the exact same day and don't have any more time and grades. And the only reason your name shows up below someone else's is because you're further down in the alphabet. But that one little thing of showing just that little bit of class and distinction and how you handle yourself, or even after the interview, if you don't get it. That go around, so you know, come back to them and say, "Thank you for the opportunity. What can I do better?" Not, where did I go wrong? Because then you start sounding like the you know the, the needy uh, boyfriend or girlfriend. Are you mad at me? Did I do something wrong? No, come on, let's let's be legitimate about this. 
what can I improve? Let me know. And to me, those are some things when people look at areas they can improve, sometimes you get some answers that are a little more clear to you. You'll either get an answer of where you actually can improve or some things that they can tell you, well, you know, here's what could make you a more marketable candidate. Or they can just say, you know, it wasn't your time because we needed someone with a training background because as soon as, um, you know, Bob Smith retires, we got to bump such and such over to training, and then we have to fill that person's position over here. You don't know how the chess pieces need to be moved in the department typically. You can think you do, but you don't. Um, and that's not because you're a bad or stupid person. It's just there's a lot of crap and data points that are floating around at the administrative level all the time, and it's a moving target. So it's it's very hard to conceptualize, let alone hit. So so before anybody else goes on, I'm, I'm going to hijack our, our webcast here. Uh, we're coming up on our hour, which uh, we usually try and, and keep it to that. So, um, because I think we've we've got a lot of really great information, um, and that that we've shared so far, I think we're going to allow. I'd like to allow a little extra time for our final thoughts and and that kind of stuff, just because there is um, so much good stuff to share, and it, it's not it's not just promotional stuff. It's also stuff that if you're looking to get a job uh, and get hired on somewhere that. The stuff that we're talking about is, as far as is getting promoted, um, like we talked about in the very beginning, this is all stuff that can help you get the job as well. Um, you know, like like Trevor had talked about, um, you know, finding out what's what the department needs and knowing about the department in order to get, you know, that that first interview and do well with that. Like Jimmy had talked about, um, you know, your your interview and your your um reputation starts starts from your interview when you first get hired to get get brought into the organization as a volunteer so that's it's all very important stuff and, and and this all transcends you know just the promotional process it goes across to to just joining the just joining a department so um so let me kick it down to bobby um and, and see what what bobby's thoughts are to to kind of start wrapping this up and like I said, I wanted to give us a little extra time. So if there was more that we wanted to do, um, you know, we, we have that time. So go ahead, Bobby. Okay, thanks, Pat. Um, first of all, thank you, Chief Gladwell, for coming on. This is uh, great to have you here. And it's been a long time since we've talked. Yes, actually, so it's kind Glad of to see you. Um, you know, so about 26 years ago, a little bit longer than that, I got my first career promotion. Um, and I, I remember my very first officers meeting like it was yesterday. And you're not going to believe the issues that we talked about. Uh, we talked about that uh, the guys weren't always motivated to check their equipment. Uh, we talked about that guys sat in the recliner too much. Uh, we talked about, um, you know, uh, lots of things that we thought were shortcoming to the people that work for us. Um, in 26 years, every single management meeting I've been to has had that resounding and constant theme. So one thing I want you all to take home, and I'm going to give my tricks on the promotional process here in just a second, but one thing you want to take home is there is no problem that we will ever encounter that can be solved by anything but work. There is nothing that we can ever encounter that cannot be solved by hard work. Um, I, I watched a commencement speech from uh, Bill Gates uh, a few years ago, and uh, I, I'll never forget it. You know, he said, 
I'm asked often, what does success feel like? You know, he's, he's a billionaire or a trillionaire, whatever he is. And, and he says, I get people ask me every day, what does success feel like? And he says, you know, I had to think about what I would answer people. And his answer was, success feels a whole lot like hard work. You know, and that's that's uh, all these problems that we talk about as managers and things when we, when we get to these positions and stuff. Uh, hard work, the difficult conversations, the awkward conversations, all those things. Um, and if we don't do it, things aren't going to get better. Uh, the trick I tell everybody about the process of promoting is one thing is studying, studying. Whatever material that you're supposed to be written, tested on, if you don't study it, then other people are going to beat you. It's just kind of the way it works, you know. Um, as far as going into the interview, a lot of the guys have already covered this already tonight. Uh, what I tell everybody that goes into an interview is never, ever, ever go into an interview thinking that it, it, it makes your outcome different. Your interview is about you presenting yourself to a group of people. And Freddie asked a great question. What if you know people? Well, it's fine. You know, you're going to go in there and you're going to, my, my goal in an interview is they may not promote me, but I want them to sit at home and say, man, I wish I could have promoted that guy. You know, if you go in with that attitude and don't worry about the outcome, you know, because to be honest with you, Trevor talks about a circle of influence. Hopefully he talks about that a little bit. Um, you have no control over who they choose ever. You know, you just go in there and do well. And when Jimmy talked about walking in there confidently, it is, if you don't know the answer to what's the weakest thing about you and you don't know the answer to what's the strongest right. thing about you, you never deserve to be promoted. You, you never deserve to be promoted. You know, um, you know, have your wife ask you the questions. They're the most critical people in your life. At least mine is. OK, um, have them ask you the questions. And sometimes they go, that's the dumbest answer I've ever heard. And you get mad, you fight with them and stuff. But then when you go in the room, you've already been asked that question. You know, have people, friends ask you questions. If it's going to be a difficult thing, you're not used to talking in front of people. Right. Practice talking in front of people. You're not going to figure it out when you walk into the promotional room, you know. So go in there, give them everything that you have. Make sure you know what, have a good idea of what you think they're going to ask you. And the biggest thing I think Jimmy said it about the writing the notepaper down. When someone asks you a question, take that moment to think about it before you open your mouth. Just take that second to say, and it's even better to kind of repeat the question. Just say, hey, okay, so you're asking me what my weakest thing is. And then think about it for a second. Because if, if you miss the question, if you got it, if you didn't hear it quite right because you're nervous and you don't ask, if you don't send it back, just like you're talking on the fire ground, you repeat back what the chief told you to do. Same exact thing. If you're not right, they'll go, whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. That's not what we asked you <laughs> before you get embarrassed in the middle of your interview. So that's my whole thing is practice 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 and go in there and know that you aren't affecting the outcome you're only affecting how you present yourself to a group of people about what you want to do and where you want to go thanks bobby those are some great points and uh, i think we've been getting a lot of comments um from the from folks watching and they've they've uh, they've agreed and they've made the same thing uh or said the same thing so uh chief gladwell uh, let's get some of your final thoughts and uh then we'll kick it up to trevor and all right, great. We'll Thanks, Ben. Um, Bobby, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, I have, I've told these guys, I haven't seen you in a while, and I've told these guys about uh, when we were talking the other night about how much respect I have for you and how, um, you know, between you and Trevor, you guys have been mentors to me. I've tried to emulate um, 
each of you um, and, 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 you know, through the good and the bad or whatever you might say, you know, it, it's, it's great to have mentors. It's great to have people like you guys that get it and that, um, you know, you know that you're, <laughs> when you came in, the fire service was at a particular level. And when you guys finally decide to leave, I mean, all of us except Ben are getting in the twilights of our career. Um, you know, the, the, the key is that we want to leave it better for the next group. So, <laughs> um, and I, I think, you know, I think that we're doing that, you know, and I, one of the things I think this particular podcast does, it, it does that it sets it up. I've watched all of them. So far. I think I've missed one. I'm sorry. Um, and every one of them has been informative. I know I got to catch up. I'm sorry, Trevor. Uh, they, every one of them has been informative. Rob's? Huh? Brampton's? Yes, I, I believe it or not, I didn't see him. <laughs> um, but as far as promotions go, you know, I, I think one of the keys to promotions is actually, I think the key uh, to promotions is to look in the mirror and ask yourself, do you want to promote? Do you really want to promote? Because being promoted is this will sound arrogant and it is not. I swear to you, it's not intended to. Being promoted is easy. Um, and somebody will sit back and say, well, you know, he's full of crap. It's not so easy. It, of of the promotional cycles, once you getting promoted, the, the, getting that first one is a little more difficult because the, the cadre of characters, the, the number of characters is usually greater. You know, as you promote up, the, the pool gets a little smaller. The competition level gets a little smaller uh, as far as the, the numbers go. But getting promoted, it, it's, it's really not all that difficult. If you can get into, get your foot in the door, you get in there and you do the things that you know how to do. You are prepared. You prepare yourself properly. Um, you know, get a good night's sleep before the promotional process, before the te- written test, before the oral exam. Uh, that coming from a guy who never sleeps. Um, but, you know, eat a good meal, you know, don't go out on the town and get drunk. Uh, you know, check your, you know, check your medals the night before when you walk in, make sure your medals are in the right places. Um, you know, based on your SOPs, how they're supposed to be worn, all that kind of stuff. Um, once you get in there, you know, getting there is, is the one part of the battle. The hardest part is being promoted is what you do after you get promoted. Because now all of a sudden, really the true hard work starts. You got the buddy, the boss thing you have to manage. You've got, um, you know, the expectations of the promotional board. They want to, they want to send a name to the fire chief for his consideration. Their name is tagged to that individual. They're as a group, they're tagged to that individual. The fire chief's name is now tagged to Ben Waples or Trevor Stedman or Bobby McGee. And if he or she promotes somebody and that person does not do well, now all of a sudden they feel foolish. They don't like, you know, that, that, that turned out poorly. They want to choose good people. They want to set up for secession. Uh, you know, that's part, that's another part of it. That you don't, you don't get to see, you know, Trevor talked about how, uh, uh, you don't know the inner workings of why people are getting promoted. And, and sometimes, Fire chiefs and and, uh, deputy chiefs sit there and look about, uh, okay, Trevor really hit on about the retirements that are coming up and who's going to be the best fit on a particular, you know, to replace a certain guy or gal. Um, You know, so if you can, once you get in there, the hard work really starts then. And if you aren't willing to step up and 
be a boss when necessary. You know, none of us want to discipline anyone. That doesn't, we didn't go to work, you know, the next shift thinking that, oh, I'm, you know, I'm out for somebody. I'm looking for whomever I can to write up. That's not what we do. That's not, that's the last thing any of us want to do. And it's the last thing generally we ever do. We, 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 we coach before we counsel most of the time. And, you know, the whole idea is to set people up for success. If I set you up for success, the department's going to be successful. If the department is successful, that looks great in the stakeholders' eyes. Um, that helps you out at budget time. That helps the community. If you're a volunteer organization, that helps the community want to open up their checkbooks. Um, you know, they, they, they see what you're doing and they understand um, that you are a, a huge part of the community, whether you're a career volunteer or both, it doesn't matter. Um, but that's when the hard work starts after you get promoted and you have to be willing to step in when there's conflict. You have to be willing to counsel. You have to be willing to mentor. You have to be willing to share information and not, you know, be power hungry. Um, you have to find part of your job is finding the, the next guy or gal who's going to take your spot. Um, you know, that, that, that's a big part of your job is to set up. If I promote or I retire, I want people that I have uh, mentored to get promoted, right? The more they get promoted that have been mentored by me, the, that's my legacy. It's not about my name. It's not about how many years I put in the fire department. It's about, you know, in, tw in, in 15 years, uh, you know, who is where and did they work for me? Did I have positive influence on them? Uh, that type of thing, because it, look, in a couple of generations, nobody's going to remember the name Gladwell. Nobody's going to remember the, you know, the, two or three generations from now, they'll, they will, they'll forget all about who we were as people. But the, those people that you got promoted or got promoted who were, who mentored under you, they take that same process. They mentor, they mentor, it moves on up and you pay it forward. And, um, you know, if you're not willing to do all that, it's, if you're not willing to, to put in the work to make sure that your crew is the best trained crew out there. You don't have to be the best crew in the fire department. You have to be the best crew that you have the ability to be. And if you train hard, like Bobby talked about, and you continue all those, uh, all those mentoring processes, your crew is going to perform. And the fire chief, the deputy chiefs, whoever, the assistant chiefs, they're going to look at that stuff. And, um, you know, you, you kind of, I don't want to say, you don't really necessarily make their job obsolete, but you make their job easy. And they, they appreciate that. Um, so, you know, uh, if, if you're willing to step up and do those types of things, then by all means get into the process. But I would also say, if you're going to do it, um, go after it, you know, go after it a hundred percent. I have never been in competition with anybody in a promotional process. The only person I have to compete with is me. I, uh, Bobby said it, Trevor said it, uh, Ben has said, you, know, you don't, you have absolutely no control beyond your interview. You go in there, you manage yourself well, you manage the um, the, the, the questions. Uh, like, like Trevor said, you don't necessarily take the lead, but you kind of guide it. Um, that is a command presence. Trevor, you talked about a command presence. They, people look at that and they're looking for a command presence. When you walk in there, they don't want to see a sheep. They want to see a wolf. So, you know, be a wolf, go in there and have that command presence, but don't, don't worry about who else is, is in the process. Why? You can't do anything about what they do or what they how they present themselves, what information they share in that interview. You can't um, – you, you may – probably you have no idea what their 
uh, written score was on their on their test, unless everybody's chirping. You know, I mean, that, people are firefighters will do that a lot. But the only thing you can control is what you do and how you manage yourself. And if you go in there and, and get rid of this concept of of com- competing against, you know, 20 guys or if you're an FDNY, maybe 500 guys for a spot or a thousand guys for a spot, you're you're already, you know, killing yourself. You just go in there prepared and be the very best that you can be. And then, like you said, Bobby, I want to walk away from that interview. And when I walk out the door, I want the the three or the five or however many is on the promotional board to look each other and say, that dude needs to be promoted. We, we got to find a spot for him somewhere or her somewhere. And if you can walk out uh, and leave them with the mic drop thing, I, I think you have done all you can do. And beyond that, it's it's uh, it gets back to what Trevor talks about with maybe the nece- the necessities of the uh, the department itself. But just go in there and, and forget about whoever else is in in the process and manage your business and don't worry about anybody else's. Thanks. Thanks, Jimmy. Trevor. All right, uh, just a couple last bullet points, and you know, Jimmy, thank you so much. And something that you said reminded me of an old proverb, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase a little bit, but he said you know, one of the greatest ways to grow a society is that the old men plant trees that they know they'll never sit underneath that shade. And you know exactly right. what you said is you know, so, and sometimes, and we've all seen the peaks and valleys in our departments. We've seen it grow, we've seen it decline, we've seen it climb again. Um, we've seen good leadership, and we've seen leadership where. If God forbid something happened to us, they would post our job announcement before they post our obituary. And that's just you know the sad fact of uh, you know, sometimes where the politics go. But one of the things I'll say is you never, ever, um, I'll put it on. First off, never, ever mute yourself. That's for the one thing. Um, the other thing is never let an absence of uh, leadership be your excuse not to do your job. We all get frustrated sometimes with how things go, uh, you know, in the chronology of people above us, but we can't use that as an excuse to say, I'm not going to do my job today. You do your job each and every day. Um, ask questions about the job, about the position. Jimmy uh, said something very profound earlier. There's people who want power and there's people who will empower. Figure out who they are in your command structure and look at look at the people who are the shit bags and say, you know what? They're a shit bag. I got to work with them. Keep the mission clear in front of you, but at the same time, learn what not to do from them. Learn from them as well. Don't be afraid to fail. That's another thing. Either you're going to succeed or you're going to learn, but don't be afraid to fail. And as a new officer, don't be afraid to fail in front of your people. They know you're new, but now all eyes are on you. You're in the fishbowl. You are going to screw something up. It's going to happen. But talk to them. Just just be real. Um, you know, Again, I think you guys already talked. There's no magical dust they sprinkle on your helmet or on your front piece when you get promoted, that gives you this knowledge base. So you got to rely on the people that you work with. They don't work for you, they work with you. And that's one of the biggest things I think that you'll uh, you'll need to remember. Um, you know, the, the, other, the other thing that we have to look at is, you know, something I, I go back to is you know, about asking the questions. Um, you know, a, a closed mouth doesn't get fed. So go to some of those people and ask about the department. Hey, what's, and I'm not talking about the vision and the mission statement and all that kind of stuff, but, Ask some of these people who are in these positions, hey, wh- where are we trying to go as a department or what? Some of them might answer you. Some of them might dismiss you. Some of them might actually sit down and have a conversation with you. But that gives you a better insight as to 
if you have an interest in going into the training division, hey, you know, what are we looking for? What's what's our, our three, five, and seven year plan? You, you might get a, a captain, battalion chief, whomever, who gets really butthurt because they don't have a three, five, seven year plan. But you know, those are some things you might start to look at and say, okay, you know, where does the department go? Have that opportunity to talk with with a chief officer and say, hey, you know, from your perspective, what advice would you give? I mean, I, I asked that question earlier on, and I was told to work hard, pay attention, and, and pray to God that my first command was a top floor fire. Fortunately, it was. Um, you know, and it and it works out. But the other thing is too for the interviews, don't be afraid of an of an awkward silence. A lot of interviewees at all levels, um, and as Jim, you had mentioned this, as, as you start to ascend up, it becomes less. SOP policy HR question based and more of okay what makes this guy tick or guy or gal um, don't be afraid of silence a lot of people have verbal diarrhea and they have to fill that void and if when you're done talking shut up um, will you have that potential evaluator who's got is going to go is that all is there anything else okay you may and you can say no or yes there's something I'd like to add. But don't be afraid of, of silence. It's okay. Don't be afraid, like uh, Chief Gladwell is saying, is to take a moment, ask them. When you come in, they, sometimes they give you a pad of paper and a pen. Other times, you can ask them, is it, is it okay if I take notes? And if they give you a scenario, write it down. That way you don't skip anything. And at, ask them to repeat things. You're going to do it on the fire ground. You're going to do it if you give medication. Why wouldn't you do it, do it in an interview? Take notes. Yes, you might have to leave those notes there when you go. That's okay. But all those little things, um, I think, really come together and make you a better candidate and better prepared. And even if you didn't feel quite warm and fuzzy about the interview, you know you hit all the, the points of the question. Don't be afraid to ask the panel or the interviewer, can you please repeat that question or can you repeat this part of the question? If there's additional information, I know um, and if any of my folks are watching this, there's part of a, uh, a hiring process coming up. There's a whole section on there that says additional information if candidate asks. It's not given, it's additional. So if they ask, say, okay, well, um, what, what, am I, what am I getting um, for the, this particular assignment or uh, what are the conditions on the Charlie side of the building? Okay, well, if they did a three, if they did, they might think, oh, crap, I forgot to do my 360, you know, but um, they might they might ask about certain things that might not have been included or, hey, what's the update from the communication center or you know, anything? It, it could be a whole variety of things. So the bottom line is, um, you know, I think all the sage advice that's been given tonight is good, but there's always more questions that can be asked. I certainly encourage people to reach out. Um, you know, talk to people in the corporate world, too. They do a lot of interviews and not that we're corporate, but. It, it gives it puts you in a different mindset. Um, so with all that, I'll just kind of land the plane on on things to say. Um, I, I remember when I first got promoted, I promoted um, compared to a lot of the people in the department. I, I was young. I was I was the youngest guy on the shift. Most of these guys raised their service, and now all of a sudden, you know, I'm their lieutenant. That's a that's a very humbling experience. So you know, don't be afraid to go to them for advice. Understand who the who the leaders of that. You know, just because you got the glitter shit on your collar, you might not be the leader of that shift. You might have to go to that person and understand this is the one who's been around, who's you know suffered the slings and arrows of this policy, that policy. They've been you know in and out of another five thousand more calls than you have. Um, so talk to them. Don't discount them and all of a sudden put yourself on that pedestal. Remember, you work with people. They don't work for you. They work with you, and that goes all the, all the way up the chain. Um, 
So with, with that, before I kick it back over to you, Ben, uh, Chief Gladwell, I just want to say, you know, uh, really, really appreciate you being on and sharing your knowledge and experience with everybody. Uh, again, Jimmy, somebody I have just a world of respect for in the fire service. And uh, you know, we've kind of come up in the fire service together. And um, I think I think you've done pretty well. Uh, I, I would say, and, uh, you know, and absolutely, you know, uh, please reach out to any of us, but especially I know Chief Gladwell always makes himself available. He's just that kind of guy because he has that that training and that planting the tree mindset. But uh, I just can't tell you how much we appreciate and respect what you've done for the fire service, Jimmy, and, and being here tonight. So with that, I'm going to uh, kick, kick that back over to Ben. And um, oh, our brother Mike Hickman came on, so I'm, I'm glad to see things worked out for him, too. But uh, Ben, I'm going to kick it back over to you. But yeah. Thank you, Jimmy. Love you, brother. Thanks, guys. Um, first, I just want to acknowledge Hickman. Um, it's a good thing we've got this on. It's all recorded. So. Um, the next time that you, you know, you can go back and watch it, even if you're sitting on the, on the toilet. So, um, thanks. We're a little unsure what to do about that, but hey, glad everything came out. Okay. Um, but as, as we're wrapping up one, first, I want to say, you know, it, it has been an honor to, to be a part of all of these webcasts, um, with Trevor and Bobby, uh, to be a part of, of strike the box. Uh, and then to, to be able to sit here with, with chief Gladwell, um, and, and to be in the position that I am in the Salisbury Fire Department, uh, I've been mentored by all three of these individuals. Uh, and I think it would, it's interesting if you go back and you listen to, if you listen to Chief uh, John Tall talk about his leadership and uh, where, where he's been through the fire service uh, and where we are today in the Salisbury Fire Department, you listen to Chief Gladwell's comments on where the Salisbury Fire Department is today and how we're, we're progressing to where, uh, Chief Tall sees the department going is that you see it's all in the same direction. Uh, it's all the same kind of thing, you know, planting the tree for the younger generations to 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 sit under in the shade of that tree. Um, like Chief Tall said uh, a couple episodes back, it's investing in the future, and that's that's exactly what we're talking about here today. Um, and I would suggest that a lot of the people that you see wearing white shirts in the Salisbury Fire Department, a lot of the, see the a lot of the people that you see wearing um, the the brass and the the collar pins and, and and leadership positions in the Salisbury Fire Department have been mentored by John Tall, um, and and you know that I think that speaks to uh, his mindset again of of investing in the future and and to his mentoring and developing us. Um, so, um, gotta give a shout out back to him, and obviously a shout out again to these three great gentlemen to. From me, from me again, being mentored by them, um, I do want to throw up before we toss out before we uh, close out this comment from Jason Bloom. Uh, Bloomy, great comment. There's a, there's as much of a, an important it is to have a formal education. There's a huge part of your service that is learned while on the job, um, and we I think we kind of touched on it. We didn't touch on it as much as we did during our our practice session or our trial, um, but the sweat equity uh, was the term that we used. Um, it's great if you've got the degrees, it's great if you've got the classes, the checks in the box, but if you don't know what you're doing, if you haven't had the time on the job, if you haven't run the calls, you haven't um, dealt with the individuals that um, may be a little challenging, if you haven't done all of that, um, you know, the, the degrees and the training, it, it doesn't, it's great, but it's not helpful. It's not what's going to get you through. Um, so 
take that time, learn your people, invest in them, mentor them, build them up. Um, I, um, you know, there, there's not much I have to, to offer for that, that these guys haven't already mentioned. So with that, uh, like I said, we're going to close it out and we're going to go to our little slides. So again, a special thanks to deputy chief, Jimmy Gladwell of the Salisbury fire department. We, uh, we really appreciate everything that you've done for, well, I really appreciate everything that you've done for me. Uh, we appreciate you joining us tonight for the strike the box folks. Um, if you aren't following on social, aren't following us on social media, here's all of our stuff on there. So please go give us a like, give us a follow, um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, there's our website. So if you've missed, uh, uh, a previous Thirsty Thursday. I'm not going to call anybody out on missing Thirsty Thursdays, but Jimmy Gladwell, if you've missed one, uh, that's where you can go. We have a, a link in our menu um, across the top for Thirsty Thursdays. And then if you guys have, um, if you've gotten something out of this, and we, we truly hope that you have, um, you gotten something from this webcast or from our only or from our previous webcasts, uh, and you want to reach out, let us know how it went, how things are going. Uh, shoot us an email. There's our email address, strikethebox.training at gmail.com. Um, and let us know. Uh, it's always great to hear from folks that we've uh, had a little impact on. Like I said, um, one thing that I've learned, if I if I had a nickel from her for every time that I've heard it, invest in the future, I'd be a millionaire and I wouldn't have to work. Thanks, Chief Tall. Um, but uh, let us know. You know, if we're if you're getting something from this, we'd love to hear it. And, um, you know, it just helps us. You know, it's a little bit of motivation for us to keep going and keep doing what we're doing. Not that we need a whole lot, but, um, you know, it is it is helpful. So with that, um, we're working on what we're going to be doing next week. I'm sorry, two weeks from now. Uh, so please watch the social media, watch uh, the website, see what's coming up next. If you just if you've um, you've been watching with us for about an hour and a half now, if you haven't gotten enough, I would urge you to head over to National Rescue Consultants on Facebook. Uh, they also do a webcast every other or on Thursdays. Um, this week, they're talking with a gentleman from uh, Rescue 5 in New York City. Uh, so go over uh, and join those guys, watch them uh, and see what they've got going on. They've got some great stuff that comes out. Um, but other than that, that's all we've got. Thanks for joining you. Or thanks for joining us. Cheers, brothers. It's always good. Little Eastern Shore champagne. Everybody stay safe. Good luck. And we look to see look forward to seeing you guys in a, in two weeks.